Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the BSM Broncos podcast on this fabulous Friday in the Mile High City. Zach Stevens rolling along with Henry uh, Chisholm with you guys today. So, so pumped that it's Friday. So pumped to be rolling with you, Henry. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm doing pretty great. Got the yeah. Friday feels, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Excited for the weekend. Heading back up to uh, Montana for the weekend. Mm, right. Wait, it'll be nice to be around family. It will be. It will be. And what are we looking at temperature in Montana? What is a summer <sighs> Montana weather? So usually you get a couple weeks in the middle of the summer, like in July, August, like yep. around that time frame where it's like pushing 100 every day, maybe up oh, in the hundreds. Wow. But, but mostly it's like pretty standard like i'm expecting this weekend be in the 70s okay yeah. okay yeah th- that's 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 what i assumed and uh in grand lake which is in colorado where yeah. my where my aunt has a place she says there's two seasons there's august and then there's winter <laughs> and i and, and i wasn't yeah. sure if uh if montana was like that uh, i mean i mean it's similar there's a lot of winter up there but most of the summer is pretty nice uh, a lot a lot of winter and before we dive in i have an interesting question off the wall question to ask you but before Uh-oh. we dive into that let me tell you about elixinol which is of course the the presenting sponsor for the bsm broncos podcast and don't take our word for elixinol take former broncos quarterback jake Plummer's word on it Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever that is just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice. Visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. 
All right, Henry. I noticed a shirt you're wearing. <laughs> of course, of course, I would notice that. Yeah. And uh, we've said this a few times on this pod this week, but good thing Ryan isn't here. And yeah. the reason, it, oh, it's, boy. It's, it's it's not disrespecting Boulder. It's not a go Fort Collins shirt. It's not a go CSU shirt. It says birds aren't real. I yeah. think Ryan would vehemently disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, no, he's a big bird guy. <laughs> he is a big he's bird He's a real guy. big bird guy. I just thought it was like a cool shirt. <laughs> I like it. I was it. like, birds aren't real. Like, I like it's it. It's just a black shirt with like simple <laughs> lowercase white letters. Birds aren't real. I, I like how bold of a statement you make in such uh, a calm, mellow way. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm actually, I just got this this week and I'm pretty excited. I about like it. it. And it's Appar- a famous shirt now too, since it's on this podcast. Exactly. Apparently there was like a conspiracy theory started on Reddit, like all good conspiracy theories. Yeah, of course. And uh, some guy said that back in the seventies, the government killed all the birds and replaced them with little drones mm, to spy on all of us. Of course. <laughs> I was like, how do you not get the birds aren't real shirt after reading this? <laughs> that, that, is, that is amazing. Yeah, you got my money. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, yeah, I, uh, I told my girlfriend that, uh, I told on the podcast that she chews her ice cream. And she was, yeah. she was, I don't even know if the word upset, she was astounded that I would give that sensitive information to all of you guys <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, so she posted a Twitter about it. It, it was uh, it was pretty funny. But I guess this is a Broncos podcast, Henry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're doing our best to make it through this offseason, even with some great Rockies. But I should say up and down, entertaining Rockies. Entertaining baseball. is the way to put it. But here is a fun debate for this Friday. I put out an article earlier this week about Bradley Chubb. Uh, we, we talked to him just one-on-one earlier this offseason, and he said that he's ready to take his game to a whole new level. He's raving about himself, but rightfully so, and, and I shouldn't say uh, in a bad way at all. Uh, he's confident in his abilities. Vic Fangio, we know, absolutely loves him, says, his, says he's uh, – uh, I'm perfect for this system. Ed Donatel says not only that outside linebackers are perfect in this system, but that he specifically is phenomenal. He's going to take that next step from year one to year two. So it made me think, is he going to be better than Von Miller? No, 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 he isn't. That's just not going to happen. Um, it is exciting to hear, and I'm also ready for him to take the next step. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But the thing about Bradley Chubb is that he is a different kind of player than Von Miller. And what Bradley Chubb does so well, like he has some of that like speed rush to him, but mostly he just bullies guys and gets past them. Whereas when you watch Von Miller yeah. and you think back to some of his highlights, it's him like, dipping around a, a tackle, like taking some crazy, incredible angle, dip around him, and then rip the ball out of Cam Newton's arms. And then, like, you think about him, was it Joe Staley? He just totally turned around. Yeah. Or was, was that, or maybe that was DeMarcus Ware on that spin with, move. With the, with the half spin? The half move? spin. Oh. Yeah, but I mean. That's one of the best moves I've ever seen. Yeah, I think that was DeMarcus Ware, actually. It was, it but, was. Uh, yeah, but, like, Vaughn has all this, like, flashy stuff. He's yep. the speed guy. He's going to make you look silly and just get by you, whereas Bradley Chubb just runs people over. And, like, there's more to it than that, but just the style of play 
is it makes it a lot easier for Von Miller to be a star than Bradley Chubb. I was so hoping you weren't going to say that because that's the hot <laughs> answer right now. Is Bradley Chubb? I think that's what uh, everyone's saying is that not not just that they're getting caught up with the hype that Vic Fangio has been throwing his way, the hype that Ed Donatel has been throwing this way, that thinking about what Bradley Chubb could do going from year one to year two, which is huge. Everyone is rolling that way. And you know what? I was rolling that way too. This offseason, the past few weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think Vaughn's going to put up X number of sacks, and I think Bradley's going to put up two more than that. That's the way I was feeling until this morning. I woke what? up this morning, and you know what? You mentioned it. The one thing I couldn't get past was Vaughn's dip. Yeah. And uh, that's something that not just Bradley Chubb doesn't have. Nobody has it. No one else has it. It's the specialty. It's the uniqueness of Vaughn Miller that I can't get past. And I can't get past saying that Bradley is going to have more sacks than Vaughn. Now, could Bradley Chubb be a better player than Vaughn Miller this year? I think so. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you have to start by saying it's apples and oranges because they do two different things. Even right. though they are both like the outside linebacker, their main job is to get to the quarterback. Bradley Chubb is more of a run stopper. He is, I, it's still so hard to say he's better at it than Vaughn Miller, but I, I think that I think that you could 100% make that argument. As a pass rusher, I mean, Vaughn, Vaughn is... He's a top three edge rusher in the NFL, and nobody can argue that. Year I don't in, think I out. don't think anybody can argue that. You could you could say he's first if you want. You could say he's third. He's he's in there because you're throwing Aaron Donald out of the conversation when you're just talking yep. about edge. Yep. But uh, Bradley Chubb just hasn't proven it yet. And when you have a guy who's so proven with no reason to think that he's going to drop off this year, to say that this other guy will be better. It's it's just relying too much on projection for me. So, be, because Vaughn's proven, uh, and you, do, you it's hard to think of someone being unproven potentially being better. I gotta look at Vaughn's stats, okay, and and what he's done, which has been phenomenal. Don't get me wrong at all. Um, but what's interesting is. Last year, Bradley Chubb had 12 sacks. Phenomenal as a rookie. Absolutely phenomenal. He went through uh, an eight-game stretch where he had 10 and a half sacks. If he did that for a full season, 21 sacks. Just one and a half sacks shy of Michael Strahan's all-time sack record. Bradley Chubb was only two. It was only two and a half sacks away last year from Von Miller's second best season of his career. Of course, Von's best season is when he had 18 sacks his second year. Last year was Von's second best season with 14 and a half sacks, and Bradley Chubb only came two and a half away. Yeah. So, Henry, do you think that Von Miller is going to build off that 14 and a half, or do you think that Bradley Chubb's just not going to be able to build you know, three sacks more than what he did last year, which was an incredible rookie season? Um, I think that Von Miller did last year what he's done for a couple of years, and I think he's going to do the same thing this year. Which is? 
he's he's dominant at what he does, but as a pass rusher, rusher they can double you if you let them double you. And so if if they can get more out of the interior pass rush, if like maybe maybe uh, the corners are better, they make the quarterback hold the ball longer. I th- I think Von Miller is just so great at what he does. It just comes down to everybody else putting him in the best situation possible, and he will continue to perform at the level he performs at. Bradley Chubb, I think there is room for improvement, but I don't think that he can produce more than Vaughn does. I do think I think they they tied for tackles for loss last year. I think I think Bradley gets that this year. They both had 14 last year. I think Bradley gets up to like 17, and then Vaughn stays around the same area, maybe maybe one or two more or less. But I still think Vaughn just edges him out in sacks, even if it's close. And I think what happens is I think Vaughn builds on that 14 and a half sacks that he had last year which people are probably like well yeah I mean that's an easy thing to say but 14 and a half is is great don't get me wrong yeah it's almost a sack a game but for Von Miller for that to be his second best season I don't know tell me if I'm wrong but I feel like I'm like really that's his second best season yeah that's how I kind of think I think that's reasonable I think that's reasonable for sure um he he is just so clearly dominant that I catch myself thinking when he has like a two, three sack game, like, whoa, yeah, this this is like what you expect. And right. then the next week it dies down. And it's just like little things. Like maybe he's just like a half second late on one. Maybe he like somebody else gets there right before him on another. Right. And all those things change. But I th- I feel the same way where you watch him play and you think, why isn't he getting two sacks per game? Because like he said last year, like a 30-sack season's attainable. Yeah. And I think it might be. Right, because he goes through stretches where he has five sacks in two games. Yeah. And you're like, holy cow, this is just the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. Well, what's Vaughn going to do? And you start thinking of you know, the all-time sack record. You're like, how many how many sacks is he going to break the all-time sack record by? Then a few weeks later, you're like, okay, well, he's still on pace to tie the all-time yeah. sack record. Yeah. Then you're like, okay maybe one sack a game and every year, but one, he hasn't even got to one sack a game. Yeah. Uh, his second best season was his fourth this season when he had 14 sacks Then he has a 13 and a half sack season. Then the rest are all in the 11 range, 11 and under, which is, it's just so interesting. And I always talk about sacks, uh, being, you should get one sack per million dollars that you're paid. If you're you know, like interior it. pass rusher, if you're a defensive end, if you're a guy that gets after the quarterback. And that held true for five to ten years, and now it's just the the market is starting to get just so it crazy is. where that's not extremely fair. But if you're making over $16 million, I, I'm not going to put the unrealistic expectations of 20, you know, 20 sacks yeah, a year. Yeah, that's tough. You gotta give me a sack, a, a sack a game. You have, to. You have I, to. I think that's reasonable. And so that's where I think I think Vaughn actually does live up to that this year, and I think he goes for at least sixteen sacks. If you want to say eighteen, not gonna push you. If you want to say nineteen, not gonna push you. If you want to say thirteen, then we're talking either something's gone horribly wrong with Vaughn, yeah, or this something's gone horribly wrong with not just this team but Vic Fangio the defense everything I mean 14 and a half sacks for Vaughn this year should honestly be the floor I I agree I think he's the type of guy who should be 
who should be getting in that like maybe even like 18 is that his best season 18 18 and a half 18 and a half yeah i mean when you watch him play you wonder why he doesn't do that and in the playoffs he does or in that one playoff run he did and mm-hmm. i'm i don't know i think i think it'd be easy to say well maybe he just doesn't always show up it's easy to get up for playoff games is it always easy to get up for regular season games i uh I'm a, I'm a, I'm obviously uncomfortable making that argument because I don't know him. It could just be bad situation, whatever. But it does make you think, like, wh- what what is stopping him? Because the, the the left tackles, the right tackles, are not stopping him. Right. Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right about that. And what's been stopping him the past few years, outside of last year, ah, you can't even make the argument that he's been the only pass rusher on the team because that hasn't been the case. He had Elvis Doomerville when he came here for the first two years of his career, and Elvis helped him get 11 sacks, and Elvis really helped him take some pressure off when Vaughn got 18 and a half, and don't get me wrong, all the credit in the world to Vaughn Miller for that season he had. Then you go and get DeMarcus Ware, and you also add Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett, and I know the shine has rubbed off with Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett, but those guys, those were good options when DeMarcus Ware was off the field. They were. They were good. And then what do you do last year? Of course, you get Bradley Chubb. And still, since maybe Vaughn's second year, probably the middle of Vaughn's second year, when he really took off, all the attention of offensive coordinators has been on Vaughn. Is let's stop him. Let's double team him. Let's do everything we have to do. Then if DeMarcus Ware starts balling out, then we'll adjust our game plan. If and Heck, maybe if DeMarcus Ware is balling out, we're not going to adjust our game plan because we don't want Von Miller to ball out. We'd rather have Shane Ray do well, Elvis Doomerville do well, than, than have Von Miller do well because he's such a freak of an athlete and so, so good. But maybe that changes this year. Now, it's not going to change week one. Teams are still going to say, yeah, we're focused on 58. We don't care about Bradley Chubb right now. What if Bradley Chubb continues that streak that he had in the middle of last season and has one and a half sacks a game for the first four games? And at the first four games, he's at six sacks? Then won't they have to? Yeah. Yeah, they would have to. But see, that's the thing is Bradley Chubb has to make them have to. Right. Like, he he's in the perfect situation for him. Like the perfect situation. Mm-hmm. There's a Von Miller cross from him taking up all the attention. Yep. He's got Vic Fangio setting up this entire defense, uh, putting him in the best situation possible, like one of the best defensive minds. And there's really nobody like breathing down his neck either. Right. Like if like if he comes out cold, doesn't play well, they're not pulling him. There's no way they're pulling him. No, for Jeff Holland? Yeah. Yeah. No way. And I mean, the first game, they got the Raiders. Uh, Colton Miller, is that scary? Like, that that offensive line... Uh, their offensive line it's, should it's, be good, but I'm not I, confident I in it. I don't know. I mean, I it should know. be in terms of investing the most money yeah. ever yeah. for a right tackle by far. And <sighs> Colton Miller is a first-round pick, so it should be good. But yeah, I feel just the same way as you. I'm like, ah, uh, it doesn't scare it's me. It's not scare me at is all. It, is it bad? I, I still say it. I'm like, no, no. maybe though. <laughs> and I think that, that that's like a great chance for Bradley Chubb to come out and be who he could be. 
in all honesty, I think that it's another year probably before he starts to get into that prime range. And even then, that'd be early for him if you just look. Because what'd he be, like 25, 26? Yep. Yeah, I guess that's right about where you expect it. But it's it's just going to be a process. And we saw him get better. We saw him go through that hot streak. I think that he does take another step. But then it'll be the year after when Vaughn might start to hit a bit of a decline and Bradley Chubb should be getting up into his prime where I'd be comfortable saying there's there's a good chance Bradley Chubb is better than Vaughn Miller. Oh, you just said something that made every Broncos fan's Von heart Miller decline. Sink. I know. I think it might be the first time I've ever said that. And not just a Vaughn Miller decline, <sighs> but the fact that you're not going to have Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller both at their peak. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you never know. Like Vaughn's a guy who takes care of his body. Like he'll stick around. I mean, Demarcus Ware played for forever and right. he, he wasn't himself even, even in Denver. Like, right. I don't think, I don't think that he was quite what he was in Dallas, but no. it, he was more than enough. And here's the reason for all the fans out there to hope and believe that you're wrong about that <laughs> is Vaughn had his best season as a second year player. He, he broke into the league yeah. 18 and a half sacks. So Maybe that's the season that Bradley Maybe. Chubb is on. And especially because Von Miller is going to be getting all of that attention until Bradley Chubb proves it. So let's let's just say all the attention's to Vaughn to start the season. And then Bradley Chubb, Chubb comes out and has six sacks in the first four games. And then teams are like, okay. Teams are forced to, to give him attention now. But let's just say he's hot. He's feeling it. In the next six games, he gets a sack per game. And then through 10 games, he's sitting at 12 sacks. Then what? I mean, we've gone through 10. So there's six games left. He can he can put on another sack per game. Boy, breaking it down like that just shows me how incredibly hard 22 and a half sacks is to get to. Yeah. Even 20. Yeah. And I mean, the other good thing for Bradley Chubb is that like Von Miller had his best year in his second year, at least statistically. I mean, that Super Bowl run has to count for something. I mean, he um, had five sacks in three games in yeah, the Super Bowl run. It yeah. was insane. But Von Miller isn't the only pass rusher who's kind of broken out early. I mean, you look at, like, Joey Bosa. Like, right. he steps into the league, and his second year, he's in the conversation, like, top five pass rushers. Yep. Uh, you have, like, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, if I Impressive. said that right, Impressive. I said it way confidently, be- and then the way sp- better ah, than I would have. <laughs> I don't know. In uh, Jacksonville, like Daniel Hunter, or Preston Wilson, like yep. there are just so many good young pass rushers who start their careers fast. And there's another reason for hope. It isn't just Von Miller. Exactly. Exactly. So let's put a number to it. What are the numbers right now? Uh. As as we sit here on this Friday, end of June. I mean, after talking about it, I I don't see why Vaughn isn't going to get 16 sacks. Yeah. 17 sacks. Um, you know what? Here's what I'll say. I'll say Vaughn goes 16 sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Bradley Chubb goes 17 tackles for loss. Hmm. 14 sacks. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like yeah. I like those numbers a lot. I'm going to say Vaughn goes for 16 and a half sacks. I think he just breaks that threshold. And I want to say 18. But then I think, well, is he really going to do what he's done only once? Yeah. Or is he going to be better 
than what he what he's been in the past. And I'm going, he's just going to be a little better I mean, than, he's than what he's been historically. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and he looks great, just like you said. There's been no sign of decline, but. I'm not going to trend too far away and keep it at 16 and a half. It'd be an amazing season for him. Second best one of his career, of his Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Bradley Chubb, I'm going to go 13 and a half, which is way less yeah. than I, I would have thought I would be saying just a few days ago. Um, but it's easier to defend a guy when he doesn't have the the – once in a lifetime special moves. Von Miller's just Von magic. Exactly. That's what it is. Like somehow he's on one side of you and then a second later, less than a second later, he's on the other side of you. And none of it makes sense. Like his legs will be like five feet to the left of the top of his body. Right. Or like he'll he'll do his spin move, like all these different ways and the way he moves his body, it just twists up the offensive line and there's nothing they can do about it. Like you mm-hmm. double team him, he'll squeak through the middle somehow. That's just who he is. Like Bradley Chubb, you put two three hundred pounders in front of him and just sandwich him. Like he's not a guy who has something to get past that. Right. He'll he'll hold his ground. They're not gonna move him backwards, but Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel I feel weird. I feel like I'm defending Bradley after <laughs> after saying this. It's still a fantastic season. Like in context, that would be almost one of Easily. Von Miller's best seasons of his career. For sure. At 13 and a half. Uh he is trending up. Everything Vic Fangio said is is correct about him. It's going to be a, a great year for him. But also on the flip side, Henry, of of Von get or of Chubb getting another year of experience in the league. Uh, and all the benefits that come from that. You also have the flip side of defensive co- or offensive coordinators get a full 16-game sample size on what Bradley Chubb can and can't do, what worked against him, what didn't work against him, and now is when they really get to implement that. This offseason, compile all that film. Offensive line coaches look at all, this, all that stuff. The tackles, especially in, in the division, you would imagine are keying in on one of the best pass rushers in the game. Uh, and, and they get to adjust to him. So there's going to be that counterpunch to Bradley Chubb, which we saw the final four games of the season last year after Chubb went on that tear from, from week 6 to 14 he didn't do anything. Zero sacks yeah. to end the season. That was a little bit of an adjustment. Let's see if if Bradley Chubb, Chubb comes out and, and adjusts again with that counterpunch, uh, which I fully, fully expect. And so what am, what am I looking at combined? I'm looking at 30 sacks. Yeah, and that's, that's incredible. I mean, just to put these numbers into perspective, if Von Miller had had 16 sacks last season, mm-hmm. only Aaron Donald would have had more. He had 20.5. He Vaughn would have been tied with JJ Watt. He also had 16. Wow. If uh like like I said, if Bradley Chubb has 14, if he had 14 last year, he would have been behind Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, Chris Jones, Vaughn Miller, Daniil Hunter, and tied with Frank Clark. You'll take that any day. Yeah. As your, yeah. your second guy. Tied for sixth, and he's your second guy. He's in his second year. Like, that's an incredible season. I think Von Miller has just skewed me. Him, yeah. him being on the team, especially what he did his second year, has just skewed my perspective and probably all of Broncos' perspective sure. on how difficult it is to do his job. And, uh, man, 
that just shows you how tough one sack per game is. Yeah, and I mean, how like we keep bringing up, well, the record's 22 and a half. Right. Like, oh. wh- why isn't he chasing that record? Oh, my gosh. Like, in, in, in no other position are we saying anything like that. Like, m- maybe Packers fans are saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a good year, 55 touchdowns. That's in reach. <laughs> like, right. And that's that's how they, like, skew their thing. For us, right. it's the sacks. 22 and a half just seems like a thing that somebody can go out there and do. Right, exactly. And, but the crazy thing is he could. Like, Von Miller could. easily could. If he has a good season, he gets good matchups, he doesn't get hurt. Like, that's that's not crazy. You think Bradley Chubb could get 22 and a half sacks this year? Uh... I think I think that'd be such a huge jump. Yeah, I I think I think next year if things go well this year, I'd be willing to say he's in that conversation. If I would be so shocked if it happened this season. Yeah, I'm not comfortable saying it and but with Vaughn, I am comfortable yeah. saying that he absolutely has a shot to do it. He's unstoppable. He just needs like a quarterback to hold the ball a little too long once a game. And yep. then and he'll then, and he'll then he, find the other six. Right. He needs a quarterback to hold the ball a little too long once a game, and he needs to make a play once a game. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that seem pretty yeah, easy? Yeah, that's all it is. That's <laughs> and, all it is. And you know what that is? That is a left or right tackle, whichever side they're on. That's a terrible game for them. Just it is. Two bad plays for it's them. crazy. Terrible game. Two good plays for Vaughn. Excellent. Uh, excellent game. I wonder I wonder if all this has like skewed John Elway's perspective. Right. Maybe, maybe he th- sees sacks as things that are just attainable, and that's why this offensive line just hasn't right. been able to get something. Because like, oh yeah, they gave up like two sacks today. Well, yeah, I guess that's like a football game. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> man. But if we're talking about thirty sacks for this team, it's good, and not just because it means the pass rush is good, which means the defense is good. It means the offense has been putting up enough points. So that quarterbacks have to hold on the ball yeah. too long because they are that dropping back, because they are looking down the field, because they're not just focused on running out the clock when they have 16 points on the board in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're forced to happen. throw. <laughs> it, can't, it can't happen. So maybe that's the number. Maybe that is the magic number for the Broncos this year. Maybe. Is 30 sacks for Von Miller and Bradley Chubb combined. Yeah. yeah. Which is a huge number. It's massive. I mean— I wonder what the best uh, duo combination was in the NFL last year because there's there's no way that it was anywhere near that. I guess. No. Oh, Any, anyone with the Rams? Uh, it looks like Kansas City has the best duo because they also had the most sacks. Yeah, they did. They had uh, Chris Jones with fifteen and a half, okay. and they had D Ford with thirteen. Okay. So that's 28 and a half. They were right below 30. And the Broncos were at what? 20, or I shouldn't say Broncos. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller were at 26. Well, I said Von Miller was, yeah, they were at 26 and a half. Yeah. So is it a failure? not bad. Is it a failure if Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have 26 and a half sacks next year? Is, Breaks down is, to thirteen is, a person. Yeah, is that that's about what they had? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, that's exactly a, the number they that's had last uh, year. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I would, wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, I think that that's if if the Broncos are a good football team, they need their groups where they are very good to be great. They need they need everybody to take a step, and that includes the most talented players on the team. Yeah, I don't think it'd be good. I don't think it'd be good for your two best players on your team to not improve statistically from the year before. Not now I know sacks aren't everything. And I think that's a very important conversation to have at some point, but that's, that's the easiest way 
to measure this. If, if you want to bring in quarterback pressures, all that stuff, that that's great. I'm just using sacks a, as a reference point. Yeah, and because that's when you're actually making the play. Right. Like, like I think the other stuff, the pressures, like, sure, it has some impact on the game, but that's a better way to evaluate pass rushers and say, here's how he did. He could have had another sack or two here. He probably should have. Things didn't right. break his way. In terms of team production, which is what I think we're most interested in, a sack means you actually did it. Right. And that means that you took a play away, you kicked him to whatever it was, now now second and 20. And that's that's what you need. Because exactly. the pressure means it's second and 10. Right. Exactly. So not not only are they your two best players, Bradley Chubb has, is now going from a rookie to a, to a second-year guy, which is where a huge leap should happen. Uh, Von Miller is still in his prime. You invested in these guys by helping them with back with, with help on the on the back end. And you went for a defensive coach that is masterful with linebackers. Yep. So if there's no improvement between the two of them combined, yeah, I, I do think it's a failure. It may, may, Maybe it's not just on Bradley Chubb, just on Von Miller, just on Vic Fangio, but as a whole, this defense led by these guys has got to be better. And it's still crazy saying that, that 26 and a half sacks would be a disappointment. It is. But it would. They they need to be closer to 30. Uh, if they get 30, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable season. Kind of like we're saying with Court and Sutton. If, they, if he gets to 1,000, great. If these guys get to 28, okay, good season. 14 yeah, sacks Yeah, I mean, 28, yet, they'll that, probably really have good. the most of any duo in the NFL. Right, very good. And anything below 26, Mm. Yeah, if they take a step back. Bad news. Bad news. Seriously, bad news. Well, let's get you guys some good news. Let's get to your questions. Let's hear from you on the other side of this break. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back into the Feel Good Friday edition of the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach and Henry rolling with you today. And I just, I love that conversation that we had in the first segment. I just, I think it's, I think it's going to get people amped up. I think people feel very strongly about this, and my guess is people are going to side with Von Miller this year. I think so. Now, we'll, we'll see if they're still there. Let's say Bradley Chubb does have that six six sacks in the first four games. We'll see if everyone is flipped then or if they're, <laughs> still, they're still sticking with Von. Really, you can't go wrong. You just hope that they get close to that 30 number. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think... It's so easy to forget when the Broncos aren't winning as many games just how good Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are. And putting all that in perspective, 
I think is very helpful at this point in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. So now let's jump into questions from listeners. We reached out to the, to the Twitter world. We want, we want to do this every couple months, maybe. Ryan and I did it a few months ago. We wanted to do it again this weekend to hear from those of you uh, and encourage you to subscribe so that you can do this any day that you want. <laughs> but we, we reached out to you guys earlier in the week. And uh, let's dive into these, Henry. Anna chimes in and says, I know it's early, but if today you were forced to make a bet on who will be the returner next season, who would you put your money on? Langley? I'm not sure if he's, I'm not sure if he's the guy. Maybe one of the UDFAs? Benson? McKnight? Who's who's the front runner? Uh, front runner is Brendan Langley. Mm. It's tough because there's a pretty, I mean, there's a significant chance he isn't on the roster. Um, yeah, but he uh, he's the guy who I think is going to get the first look. Devonte Booker will be in the conversation again. I really do like McKnight. I think that he has the potential to to be a very good returner in the NFL. But again, there aren't a lot of extra roster spots at this point, and he would have to take his from Langley. Or, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's 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 tough right now. They don't have anybody who's really blowing everybody else away, at least in my mind. No, and Vic Fangio and Tom McMahon have made it very clear that no one has separated themselves, and, and there's just not been enough to go off of. So we're really going off the same thing that you guys are. I'm trying to pull up my notes right now. Here we go. Of uh, exactly what returners were doing stuff during the offseason, you had Brendan Langley, uh, kind of the, the front runner, you could say. Deshaun Hamilton, Devontae Jackson, a small, shifty, fast running back. Kalafani Muhammad, exact same type of guy, small, shifty, fast running back. Uh, Winfrey, um, Romel, McKnight, uh, who I had in my notes, looks like McKenzie back there is a returner. But for me... How this breaks down, Anna, is are the Broncos going to use a roster spot for a returner? With McKnight, Romel, what, what any any of these small, very fast, Trendon Holiday, uh, Isaiah McKenzie type guys, I don't see it. I don't see it this year unless they earn a roster spot as a as a viable sixth receiver. Yeah, and just when we break down that receiving position, we we've done it earlier this week. We don't talk about these guys. You know, River Craycraft is kind of the sixth guy potentially. Then we start talking about these guys when we get to the seventh, eighth, ninth. And when you're talking about a a returner, that's only a two way special teamer. You're not talking about him also being on kickoff coverage and and uh, or I guess kickoff and punt those guys don't have that so he they would have to be very special that's the hope is to get a very special returner yeah and that's why you you maybe say brendan langley although are we even talking about him is that guy the the only thing that he has on the other guys is he's a four-way special teamer he should be able to play in every single phase of special teams which gives him the nod a little bit more Maybe you go the safe route of Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, I think the the one little shifty guy I think could make the impact is Kelvin McKnight from Samford. Like that's his game. Yeah, it's like five foot eight. Yeah, just a little guy. You get him the ball in space and see what he can do, which is what you do with a returner. 
Um, but even that's a long shot for him to make the roster. Maybe Winfrey and, and Devontae Booker, if the Broncos don't want yeah. to use a spot, a roster spot on just a returner, maybe you hope Winfrey can do punts, really just be reliable and catch them, and then you don't have to put Emmanuel Sanders back there to be yeah. reliable and catch them. And Devontae Booker, he's your third running back. He should be able to provide special teams. Uh, we know he can be the kick returner. I'm not telling you anything sexy. Uh, with, with, with these names right here. If you want the sexy, you're right. You go Kelvin McKnight. You go with that explosive, explosive player. But are they going to keep a returner as a rookie when they could stash him on the practice squad? Then if they desperately need a, a returner, then they can bring him up to the 53. Yeah, I think, to me, the sexy option is not always... But occasionally, situationally, uh, you're you're down a couple points late in the game. You put Phil Lindsay as your punt returner. You mm. give him a chance in big moments to make plays when you need him to. Some people probably love hearing you say that. Some people probably hate yeah. you well, saying I'm not that. Saying so you do it all the time. So that's that's my question: Is are we talking once a game, once a quarter, once a quarter of the season? I think I think if he returns a punt every other game. I mean, it depends on how things play out. If you're in a close game, you need some juice, that's an easy way to get it. Or if your offense isn't doing well, you're starting to fall behind, throw Phil back there, see what happens. Mm. And it's dangerous, but it's also, you can't just not use your most talented players. Right. Right. And I thought they were going to do that with Aqib Tlaib more. Uh, mm -hmm. When he was on the team, I thought they were going to do that with Emmanuel Sanders more, not necessarily for the explosion for Emmanuel, but just when uh, when or Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie is dropping all the balls. It's like, when are you going to put Emmanuel back there? Fair catch every single ball and catch it. And they just didn't do that. Yeah. And I wonder if Tom McMahon's going to bring a different mentality surrounding that uh, because that makes sense, doesn't it? Put yeah. Emmanuel back there to do the fair catches when, when your offense has to have the ball. Put Phil Lindsay back there when you have to have an explosive play, even if it's four times a year. Don't be afraid to pull that trigger. Yeah, and in Chicago, Tariq Cohen was returning punts for them. Maybe Vic Fangio says, we want, we want our guys who are talented to get the ball in their hands. We want our playmakers to be playmakers. Novel concept. <laughs> Instead of finding a guy who's a super up and down playmaker like Isaiah McKenzie, who can break a big one. Yeah. Uh, did he had one re touchdown in his career, right? Isaiah. Yeah. Wasn't did it with he, the he, Bills? Oh, it might have been. But but yeah, like <laughs> a guy who in theory is high upside, right? But also drops the ball. That's not a, a risk that you can take. Like it's it's like saying we we like Phil too much. We don't want him to get hurt. We're not going to let him run the ball 20 times a game. We're right. going to limit it to 12. Right. And, you know, there is something to that. Let him hold up. And if, if you know you're going to be a playoff team, save him for the postseason, whatever. Right. But at some point, you have to win football games by putting the best players at at the position where they can be the best performer. Like last year, did I understand what the Broncos were doing at some points in the season where Phil was on the field for 45% of the snaps and was getting, you know, 14 touches? No, because they're a 6 and 10 football team. Because they're just playing to not have Phil 
be healthy. They're playing to have Phil be healthy for January football when that's not happening. Now, if the Broncos are four and two, and in that sixth or seventh game of the season, if you know Phil's if if Phil's at fifty five percent and he gets sixteen touches, um, are you hoping for more? Yeah. Do you understand why maybe they're they're not just going full steam on him? You could understand that. Now, if they're also four and two and Phil plays eighty percent of the snaps and he gets twenty seven touches, I understand that as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just understanding I don't know. You can't be too scared of the risk. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anna chimes in with another question and says, Hey guys, is there something from daily food that you guys don't like? A personal example, she hates olives. Ah. So like a common food mm. that you don't like. I, I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was I was not a picky eater. I'll start with that. Um, I didn't like the normal things that kids don't like. You know, hate blue cheese. Oh, yeah. Uh, hated mushrooms. Thought they were the grossest thing. Um, I guess that was really it. Maybe there's one or two other things like that. I love blue cheese now. I love mushrooms. Mushrooms yeah. kind of taste like nothing. I just came so. around on mustard like a year ago. Mustard. I yeah, I was never a mustard guy, but now it's it's on everything. Too, uh, too vinegary? I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But now I love it. Like I just make myself like a turkey and cheese sandwich, throw some mustard on there. It's mm. perfect. I don't know. I'm not a picky eater at all. I will really just eat anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat anything as well. I'm just trying to think, is there something – that I'll shy away from? I, I really don't think so. I don't think so. And one, one thing that comes into my head right now, and it's not that I don't like it, but I don't fully understand raw fish. Oh, interesting. Okay. That, that had crossed my mind. Now, like, I eat it. Yeah. I eat it. And I, you eat it in what form? Uh, I've had all sorts of forms. Uh, Brandon and I were down, yeah, all sorts wow. of forms of raw fish. You put it in like a bowl, you put it in a roll, just just like put it in my hand, I guess. I'll eat it. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like Brandon and I were down at the Denver Milk Market like a week or two ago, and they have a pokey place. Yeah, and they were giving out fish samples. Yeah, and just like this big chunk of tuna. Yep. It's like well, and you eat it, and you're like, huh? Yeah. I feel weird about right, this. Right. Like, I, I expect it to be colder, maybe. Mm, oh. It's because it's just like a little bit like, I don't know. It's just like a room temperature. That seems even worse. That's what probably always confuses me. And then it's like just like a little bit chewy in, in like yeah. a very good way, in that if, if I didn't know that I was eating just like a dead fish. Right. Right. I don't know what changes when you cook it like chemically. Right. But something definitely changes in my brain well, too. I'll I'll tell you why is because when you get raw fish whether it's uh at a sushi place whether it's pokey whether you're just eating it straight up there's a little warning there's an asterisk that says, you know, consuming this raw meat uh, puts you at a higher risk. So that's why that's why your brain feels <laughs> weird because of that. It's because you are putting yeah. yourself at a higher risk and I I'm all about sushi. I I I like sushi. Um I'm I'm not a I think it's expensive, so it's not like the best value at yeah. this point in my yeah. life. So I'm not a connoisseur, but I'll I'll eat Someday. any type of sushi. Those are small pieces of, yeah. of raw meat that are surrounded by other things where you don't know that it's like lukewarm. 
uncooked yeah. fish. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm I'm down. I'll try any any type of sushi, whatever uncooked thing you want to put in there. Because I also feel like that asterisk gets a little smaller because you're not just putting yeah. a huge piece. Yeah. There's something about like just taking a big bite out of a dead fish. Yeah. That I don't know. Maybe it's because the smaller pieces they don't give you enough time to think like, huh, is it weird? This is in my mouth <laughs> right. right now. Right. And, Whereas and you don't, when you like, don't taste the consistency yeah. and the uncooked part. <laughs> yeah, when you're like chewing it. Like every time you chew it, you're just like weird. Yeah. Huh. E- exactly. I'm not sure. And then by the time you swallow, you're like, that was a weird experience. I just went through like a whole big <laughs> yep. thing in the three yep. seconds. This piece of fish is in my mouth. Exactly. And so you, you talked about the Denver milk market. That's where all the, the hot hip things are. And there's a pokey place there because that's kind of, I don't, I, pokey's obviously not a new thing, but I feel like in the past two years, it's really in the past year, it's really hit Denver. Um, and it's still starting to expand. Pokey was, I had never heard of it. Yeah five years ago really didn't know what it was until two years ago so it's still new in denver and so my my girlfriend loves the the seafood the sushi Mm -hmm. the the pokey she's been a few times brought me last week and uh, i just i loved the idea loved the concept i just couldn't go with the raw fish that she did and there it's kind of like what you're saying it's it's a mound it's yeah. a lot sitting. You, yeah. you take, you know, just a bite of the raw fish. So I, st- I still kept w- with the style. I just went cooked fish mm. uh, because it's, I don't know. I, 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 I tried a piece. I yeah. just didn't have. Yeah, you have to. I just didn't have a huge amount. And it's it's good. Um, I have nothing against it. It's just why would I put myself, why would I give myself a better chance of getting sick when I can eat the exact same thing, get very similar flavors, different flavors, and not in a bad or better or bad or better way, uh, but just cook it. Um, <laughs> mostly because cooked fish doesn't look as cool on Instagram. Ah, you're I right. think that's what it is. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, get that bright I, pink. And that would make sense with my relationship. I don't gram nearly as much as, uh, <laughs> as my girlfriend. Yeah, I'm trying to work on that. I'm really trying to get on Instagram. I'm terrible. I was going to say, on the Instagram or the girlfriend? Oh, uh, yeah, probably which both. <laughs> which one comes first? Like, do you get the girlfriend so she'll teach uh, you Instagram? Or do you get the that's Instagram a, that's a good to show off to girls that, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a cool person? Depends on what type of guy you are. Uh, see, I, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer with that. <laughs> we're, we're starting from the floor, building you up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. speaking of which. Oh, boy. Perfect, perfect time <laughs> to talk about you and your identity. Yeah. So there's been some debate that started internally and made its way to Twitter. You guys probably saw it earlier this week. You're considering a name change. A brand uh, change, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I brand say. change. I'm not a person. I'm a brand, so it's not a name. <laughs> it's, you know, but uh, and are you changing your last name so I can't mess it up? I don't think so. Okay. Brandon hasn't told me if I'm changing <laughs> that or not yet. Sticking with the last name. So what happened was, I think it was Monday morning. I was in uh, the BSN office, and I'm working on the script for the Daily Sports Report. And Brandon comes in, and sits down on the table across from me. And he says, Henry, we need to talk. And I'm like, yeah, okay, what, what do we need to talk about? And he said, well, I had an idea. And he was telling me about how he has so many great ideas on the exercise bike mm. in the morning when he, like, works out, gets the blood flow going, all yep. this stuff. Yep. And he says, so t- this morning on the exercise bike, I uh, 
I think I decided that you need to change your name. And I was like, okay, Brandon, what? <laughs> and then he explains to me that Hank Chisholm instead of Henry Chisholm is more memorable. And it has more of like a sports writer, sports media vibe to it. And I really didn't know how to respond to any of that. Brandon's been making this push to try to get me to become edgier and like build my brand through more edginess, you know, like wearing black jeans and that kind of stuff. But, but don't, don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, he started the Twitter poll and terrified my mother <laughs> and, and uh, ends up being 51% of people voted Henry, 49 mm. Hank. So close. There yeah. were hundreds of votes in there. That there is were, tight. yeah, and it came down to just a couple. I wonder if your name was Hank already, if it would have been the same Ooh, results. Yeah, I don't or if know. If it would have been stronger for Henry, or if it would have been stronger for Hank, I don't know. Or if my mom hadn't linked it to her Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Urging all of her friends to vote <laughs> yeah. for Henry. All my cousins. <laughs> there was a shift. There that, was a shift, that, too. That may have been when your mom Because it was it. like 60-40 Hank for, for a bit. <laughs> I thought it was going to happen, and I hadn't really come to terms with it yet. The funny thing is, I like them both. Mm -hmm. Hank doesn't seem edgy to me. Really? So I'm, I'm surprised that he would go that route. Hank seems like... I can see it being a, a sports writer's name, but when I picture a Hank sports writer... I think of a 62-year-old established guy, yeah. Bennett, Bennett has won company for 30 years, has a very devote following. Oh, okay. I don't think of the edgy black <laughs> jeans wearing guy. Uh, I mean, I could see like the kind of like a radio personality mm, where it's like right. Hank has all the hot takes saying crazy stuff just to get the clicks. Yep. You know, I can, I, see, I can see it there too. Yeah. 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 What uh, other edgier H name is there? Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Like, and, and, Harry. And, right. And that's even more like 85-year-old. Yeah. Been yeah. there for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I guess I'm Henry for Henry. now. Henry. Yeah. So he, he followed the Twitter poll? Um, Brandon well, said Well, actually, it turns out it? for somebody to change their name, it has to be that person and not their boss who makes oh, the decision. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have decided that I'm going to stick with Henry. I like it. Yeah. I, I like it. It makes sense because it's my name. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been rolling with Henry and Zach then all week on the pod. Yeah. No Hank. Yeah. No Hank. I like it. I, I, I like, I like Henry. I think, it, I, like I think Henry. it works. I like Zach. I don't know how we got on that tangent, but <sighs> anyways, identity, Anna hates yeah. olives. Anna hates olives. That's we, we rounded back to that. <laughs> I'm not a huge olive guy. <laughs> no. In Spanish class, in a uh, college, uh, the professor was from Spain. She brought in this can of olives. Okay. Turns out they had sardines in them. Oh wow! Either she didn't say that, or I just wasn't paying attention, which is more likely. But uh, she like hands them out, like, eat it, and there was a sardine in it. And ever since, I've been like, uh, I don't know what part of that was the olive and what part was the sardine, but Ooh. not not a fan of what happened. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna stay away from either. As long as you can inspect the olive and make sure there's no sardine, you should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That is bizarre. I could give another try. Maybe we'll get back to football with hey, this next idea. one. I don't know. Front coming in from Kyle Warner says, should we have tried to add another wide receiver weapon in the offseason? That's a tough one. Hmm. That's a really tough one to me. My mind initially goes to Antonio Brown. Yep. My, that was my first thought. I went Antonio Brown and then Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean... Could could you imagine? Right now, they're banking on the young guys to get better. Right. The thing is, if they had drafted Hollywood Brown, 
Then all of a sudden you have three guys from the last two drafts filling up your two, three, four spots. Mm. And that's just, I mean, you're not expecting much development. It's one of the rare situations where I think it was very clear that John Elway wasn't playing for 2019. Like he was looking ahead saying, we need to get these guys reps. Hopefully they're good. If not, we got reps out of it. Right. Whereas if you bring in a receiver, you're saying, yeah, he's a known quantity. This is going to make the offense better this season almost for sure but you're taking something else away you might as well save a couple bucks yeah so outside of antonio brown and a drafted guy which who you could have got the guy who went to the seahawks who looks dk amazing yeah amazing with no shirt on (laughs) carol to take his shirt off exactly that's how you get drafted yep (laughs) as soon as as you get the shirt off of the coach oh yeah you you know he's gonna take you oh yeah you know you're good (laughs) so you have you could have gone that uh, Hollywood Brown, then what is it? We're talking the John Browns of the world. Yeah, the, the small speedsters. Um, how much more comfortable would you feel about this receiving core with a John Brown, with a free agent that costs you eight million dollars and is you know a speedster? So if I had, if if to draft a receiver, I'm feeling no more confident, but I'm feeling more excited. Fair. If can you imagine what we'd be saying about Hollywood Brown right now? It'd be fun. It'd be so much fun. No, no offense though. No, no offense. Um, and so it was the right decision to take no offense. But that's why I think I would stay away from another rookie. You just don't need more young guys. I would have looked for a vet, somebody probably on a one-year contract who can play at a high level. Like the really fun one would have been Des Bryant. See if he wants to come back, but uh, probably unlikely he could play. You'd want Dez. Um, I would want to touch that with a hundred. Uh, I mean, I mean, just because if if things don't work out, you still have other guys. You have the cap space to burn. You have a couple million dollars to throw at him. If it works, then all of a sudden you have, I mean, Dez Bryant, who's a very yeah. good receiver and I think could fill a role. I think I think that if you're getting a receiver, it has to be like like Jordy Nelson on a one-year deal. Right. And how much better do you feel with Jordy? Uh, um, it it takes the risk away from Deshaun Hamilton. You, right, uh, and it also take at the same time taking risk away from Emmanuel, where where Jordy is not Emmanuel, but let's say Emmanuel can't go, yeah. or you know something else happens, touch wood. Um, then you, you know you have a, a a 70 a 65 floor instead of exactly lower and and you know that he can come in and be a good slot receiver he's going to he's going to need touches as a slot receiver because because he'll be getting open not because you feel obligated to give them to him right which takes some of the load off of Cortland Sutton as well yeah in an ideal world yes I guess mm-hmm. you, you you would have added something but the way it shakes out with the Broncos just having a few million dollars in cap room left, uh, would you have been okay cutting Derek Wolf or Emmanuel Sanders no. in order to add a receiver? You're probably not cutting Emmanuel, no. obviously, to do that. Uh, or are you okay with not giving Chris Harris that $3 million pay raise with knowing he wouldn't have been here this offseason and he may not show up for training camp? I think things worked out the way they probably should have. Yeah, and with with that, though, the other side is you're taking a risk. A big risk. Courtland I mean, Sutton may not. Dev- you have a risk with all of your top three receivers. I mean, with all of your receivers. But every single receiver. Every, There's nobody Every single trust. receiver, which is scary. Which it's maybe, terrifying. Maybe you say, well, can, okay, yeah, you, you do Can you imagine make- the scenario where 
I mean, again, like you said, touch wood, Emmanuel Sanders can't go. He gets hurt, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, your top three, you have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick on the outside, Deshaun Hamilton in the slot. That is not scary at all. That is the worst starting receiving group in the NFL. That's what we call a classic Joe Flacco receiving core. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. And that's, I mean, and and there's a chance it goes well. There's a chance that all of them take a step. They're all young. There's potential. But if you're going through objectively ranking all the receiving cores, right now the Broncos isn't great. It's probably somewhere in the middle of the pack with, with a high ceiling. And if Emmanuel Sanders is gone, which I guess is true of pretty much any receiving group, you say the best guy is out. It's not going to be good, but the Broncos are the worst then. Right. Yeah, that's that's scary. So maybe you do make the sacrifice and add some. I just don't there, – there's not one guy outside of the draft that I look at and say that would have been a great solution. And so that's yep. why I'm a little skeptical. Yep. Antonio Brown. You make the move Out, for Antonio outside Brown. Of, yep. Exactly. Man, danger. 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 All right, next one coming in from Andre. He says – is it September yet? LOL. No. no serious question. Just keep up the great work. <laughs> gives us gives us a, a fist pound. Thank you, Andre. And with that, why don't we take another break and get to the final segment of the week right after this. Let's do it. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back into the Friday edition of the BSN Broncos podcast. Zach and Henry. That's me. Henry (laughs) joining us today. You heard that, Brandon. Henry joining (laughs) us on its final segment. And let's just continue with these questions from you guys. Uh, Coming in from Daniel, he says, What do you think the floor and ceiling is of every rookie added this year? Because we'll do this quick. We've talked about tight ends a lot. We've, We've talked, talked about a lot, about a lot this week, so probably pretty easy. Maybe, what, the true, true ceiling, 700 yards? Yep. 700 yards and floor? It's 400. No way. I, th- I think so. No way. I'm going 200. Oh. Of like a, a true floor because yeah. Jeff Hireman's the best tight end that's been in this town for so long, and his best year was 280. But this is Noah Fant. Okay, I'll go 300. Okay, because what, 400 yards is 25 a game. <sighs> Gosh. Noah Fant, I mean, he'll he'll have one 150-yard one catch. He will. That's his game. Gosh. There's two games right there. He does anything else. Like, I, I, 
I'll go 350. I think 400 might be a little bit high just because okay. not many tight ends get there. Okay. I'll go 350. And I'll go 325. But okay. I j- just saying that I I'm not worried that that's what he's going to be at. I think he'll be at 500 plus. Yeah, and I think I mean, this is also assuming he's healthy, which is a pretty big assumption. Mm-hmm. Right. As Ex- well. Sure, He's sure. playing 16 games. Dalton Reisner. Ceiling to me, uh, Pro Bowl player, and by far the Broncos' best offensive lineman. In fact, I think by yeah. at the end of the season, he will be the Broncos' best offensive lineman. Floor, it's it's hard to do this to a rookie. And, of it course, is. we're just going to say that the health stands up for the entire year for all of these guys. Floor... He looks like a rookie, a, a yep. second-round rookie where there's there's massive struggles. Yep. I think that ceiling is, I mean, what's he playing? He's playing left guard. Yep. Helping out Garrett Bowles over there. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a duo. Thing to remember. Uh, God, a dozen years. Um, But I think in terms of left guards, ceiling is he's a top seven guy. Okay. I think floor is he's... 25 mm. i don't think he's bottom i think 20 20 22 let's call it 22 yeah there are a lot of bad offensive linemen with jobs right now yeah yeah i i like that I, and i agree with that um drew lock it's hard i mean his floor, floor is, is he a, doesn't play exactly floor <laughs> is he doesn't play ceiling is uh he comes in midway through the season and lights it up yeah, he, he can do that. I, I believe he can do that. I think there's potential. I think just like any other rookie quarterback, you really don't know what you have until you see him play. Yep. And if he comes out like Baker Mayfield did, I'd be a little surprised because that's one of the best rookie quarterback performances we've seen, and I guess at least recently. But it could definitely happen. I think that he. I mean, he has all the tools. He seems like a bright kid. Like yeah. Yeah, I think he could come in. Well, well, let's say he comes in and looks like a top twelve quarterback, which which doesn't about that, which would be incredible. Yeah, and I think it would help that he's only playing eight games too. Right, you're not asked to sustain it over a season, but if he comes in and plays, like even if it's just like Broncos are out of playoff contention at uh, six and or let's call it four and eight and they're pretty much calling it. You got four games left in the season. He comes in, looks great, small sample size, and he takes advantage of it. Right, exactly. I completely agree. Draymond Jones, realistic ceiling, I think is five sacks. That would be huge. That would be really huge. Coming from his position, like I said, Malik Jackson during that Super Bowl season at five and a half. Yep. So that w- that would be huge. And floor is zero sacks. Yeah, is, floor is he doesn't make the rotation, which is very exactly, realistic. Exactly, and uh, maybe he doesn't even get a jersey. I expect him to have a jersey every game, uh, but play very minimal is is his floor. Yeah, I think five is a bit high on the ceiling. But the thing about sacks is they're fluky. Right. Like, like when they're only five over the course of 16 games, there's a lot of room for variation. And so I guess it is possible that everything breaks right. He's in the right place at the right time. People are, are like Bradley Chubb, Von Miller collapsing the pocket, forcing the quarterback to step up, and he's just right there. Five, I guess, is possible. Right. And, yeah, it's ceiling. I don't expect that. And then I think for the the rest of the guys, it's pretty similar floor and ceiling is they're likely not going to play. Yeah. And and, yep. and get much action. But good question there uh, from Daniel. Now, next one coming in from Thomas Ritchie says, who from last year's team is most at risk 
of not making the 53-man roster this year. This is a good one, and uh, Thomas, there's a lot of guys who you probably never heard their name that were on the 53, at least at the end of last year, that probably won't make the roster this year. Horace Richardson, uh, a cornerback, to give you an example. Didn't know he was a person. Exactly, and there, there's a <laughs> lot of guys like that. So I don't, I don't want to give you those guys. I'll lean to a notable name, and that's okay. Demarcus Walker. Yeah, I think yeah. he is very much in jeopardy. There, there were reports coming out, uh, and and I reported it as well that in an OTA practice, Demarcus Walker had two sacks. Well, that's all he did. Just two more sacks than he's had in any other practice exactly and like, i and i yeah. think he was going up against don barkley in uh, those that, are you sure that's a real person exactly yeah. <laughs> and so it's i'm not as i mean i don't think anyone's necessarily taking those those two sacks and running away with them saying he's he's the answer and he's improved but i'm certainly not and you look they drafted his replacement they drafted Draymond Jones as a situational pass rusher this year that's what DeMarcus Walker was supposed to be so i wouldn't be shocked at all yeah the most damning thing is last year week 16 week 17 he didn't see the field at all and let me tell you that was not a Vance Joseph decision in a, in a, in an entirety yeah i think you can go position by position and find people like you start with the quarterback right kevin hogan mm, there's right. one right there right uh halfbacks are probably safe uh fullback jano could be gone mm. uh tight end any of the three i mean it depends on whether they want to keep four or not i guess sure um offensive line there's a whole bunch of options receiver brendan langley right is one uh, yeah there's a ton there's there are people all over the roster and they've brought in so many new guys and have already had so much turnover it's only going to continue to happen yeah and safeties too if kareem jackson's a safety will parks and justin simmons are your two and three right your four i mean jamal carter damonte mm. thomas sua cravens sua cravens is another sua cravens big is notable name that i was gonna go with right i think could be gone yeah that that's Looks like that's going to be the case. Yeah, he needs to play well. So that, I mean, it just shows you how many guys are like that right now. So good question. Next one coming in from Steve Roach says, Surprise teams seem to hit on three types of key players. Their star players as expected, or their star player plays as expected. Average guys steps up. And low-end guy really surprises. An oversimplification, I know. Who you got for us? Mine for his stars, Chris Harris Jr. plays to his star level. Um, the average guy that steps up is Justin Simmons, and a, a low end guy that really surprises is Jake Butt. I like all of those. I like all of those, and I would change Chris Harris to Von Miller. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking I might even change it to Bradley Chubb mm. because I think he's in that star. Uh, yeah. position or phil Lindsay, i think mm. phil Lindsay could be that guy who takes a jump this year what helps the team most of those three guys playing that's, to a star potential that's tough i mean for the for the broncos need to actually make the playoffs they need all three to do that that's just where they are as a team um i think that the fact that they have two pass rushers who can feed off each other means that they will get something like even if they don't play as well as we'd hope, they're still going to be one of the best duos. Um, 
Phil, though, he can change that offense. If if he is consistently running for four or five yards carry, five yards per carry, like like what, what was it last year? Five point four. Yep. Yeah. Five point four. I mean, if he keeps that up, and he gets more touches, gets like the fifteen twenty touches a game, then that's the that's the basis of an NFL offense right there. A good NFL offense offense, and everything else can kind of build around getting him going. Saquon Barkley was great last year. He was. The Giants were not. No, I'm sure you can find. Pa- <laughs> I'm sure you can find pass rushers that were great too, and their and their teams weren't. I mean, maybe the Broncos. You want to yeah. you want to point at? Yeah. Um, but boy, if Vaughn goes for 18 sacks, plays like a superstar, goes for 19 sacks. That would just, I think, be the most valuable thing for this team. All right, an average guy that steps up. There's one guy that just jumps out out at me. Really, Garrett Bowles. Now, maybe someone want to say he's a low-end guy that really surprises. Uh, Whichever category you want to put him in, if Garrett Bowles steps up, that would be huge for this team. Huge. Yep. Who do you have for an average guy? Um, I think this is a similar one, but Josie Jewell. I think he could definitely be a low-end guy who steps up. But if he's a normal guy who steps up and plays like – I mean, a lot of people have been saying he can – like he shouldn't have been a fourth round pick. The Broncos got lucky to grab him there. Then, then all of a sudden, the middle of the defense is in much better shape than it looks right now because because the edges are great. You have the cornerbacks, you have the safety at the top. The defensive line is all right, but you have your edge rushers. Like it's just the middle of the field, and that's been the problem for so long. The running backs and the tight ends just take advantage of it against the Broncos. Yeah, I like Josie Jewell, and I and I do like Jake Butt as Steve mentioned. So. Those are great, especially looking at low-end guys that you know will have a shot to do something. You're not looking at yep. the guys, the Aaron Wallaces of the yep. world. I just don't know if Josie is physically capable. That's I of know being of, of the being a cover Smith. linebacker Ex- in the exactly. Middle. So it's tough, but man, if he steps up, that that would be huge. It would be. I think my other guy is uh, Sue Cravens. Mm. I think I think I was tempted to make it Will Parks because I really like him. I think that yeah. he can be uh, like a, a player. Uh, he's made like the big plays. Was it the Bengals where he got the hit, forced the fumble through the end zone yep. at the goal line? Like that's yep. an all-time great Broncos hit. Right. And he already has that. Like, And he's just such an easy guy to cheer for too. Oh, yeah. Like he's such a nice, friendly guy. But Sua, though, he's a second-round talent. And he can be that hybrid safety linebacker that pretty much every team in the league either has and is taking advantage of and it's working really well or really wants because those guys when they're talented can do so many things for a team like like take care of the middle of the field they put him as their sub linebacker Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think that sua craven's actually living up to his potential is it's a stretch but it would be big for the Broncos. There's a reason he was a second-round pick and why the Broncos had a first-round grade on him. Maybe yeah. that first-round grade is not looking as good no. anymore. No. Next one coming in from Stephen Carpenter. He says, if Ryan Koningsberg was tasked with developing a Broncos-themed white claw to be sold at the stadium this season, what flavor would it be? I think it's more fun that we get to answer this instead of Ryan. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. Um, like, uh, To me, my mind goes immediately to something. I I started thinking about brats. Mm. I was just thinking like, what are the foods that he likes? And I was like, he makes great brats. 
I don't know how you factor that in. Maybe it's just like beer flavored because he's missing beer and he can't drink it because of the keto. <laughs> I like that. They just do what they can to make it taste like a make good beer. Make it taste like Coors. That'd yeah. be funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go kind of along those lines. I'm going to go spicy buffalo wing. Oh, yeah. I went down to Blake Street Tavern <laughs> last night and Ryan always gets the buffalo chicken wrap, but I never tried it. Yeah. Got it last night. I uh, got it in memory of Ryan. It was incredible. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know what, like, in terms of fruit. I know. See, that's the weird thing is that neither of those would be. Yeah. They'd good. be both disgusting, but. <laughs> they'd be terrible. We gave it our best shot there, Stephen. Uh, next one coming in from Preston. He says, John Fox fan here. If we'd retained John Fox, do you think we still would have won Super Bowl 50? Was John Elway justified in letting him go? Um, No, not because I think that he was a worse coach or Gary Kubiak was a great coach, like any, any of that kind of stuff. The So much of that Super Bowl run, it was a very good team, but there was a lot of luck too. Right. Everything broke their way. Vaughn made plays every chance he got, and that was true of most of the team. Um, just by going back and having somebody else take it over and needing to get lucky all those times again, I because you forget, like they were the number one seed in the playoffs too. Yeah, like, that's wild. They got lucky all the way through there just to get that, and then host the AFC Championship game instead of going to New England. Everything just broke their way, and I think if anybody else was the coach they probably don't get the same breaks. And that wasn't a year where the Super Bowl winning team was head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Yeah, and that's I'm saying no because of the way Gary Kubiak handled the craziness yeah. of the season, especially the the back end of the regular season with managing Peyton Manning sitting on the yeah. bench and rehabbing and saying he's healthy and the team – you know, slow wanting to take it slowly back, and Brock Osweiler being five and two as a starter. The way he handled that was one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen in sports. Yeah. So maybe John Fox would have been able to do it, but I think Gary Kubiak deserved Coach of the Year for that. That it was incredibly such a tough line to toe with Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. Like there are seriously there there are dozens of ways. You can start the conversation with Peyton Manning saying, I'm going to bench you. And somehow the one that Gary Kubiak picked worked. And remember, this a lot of people thought Brock Osweiler should stay as a starting yeah. quarterback. Not I, yeah. because that is unbelievably stupid. I, I wanted Brock. Oh, <laughs> I no. Thought, I thought Brock was oh, the future. No. So I, I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but... My first ever touchdown pass back when I was playing quarterback in, uh, what was this? Started playing quarterback fourth grade. First touchdown pass was sixth grade. Okay. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were playing up in Kalispell okay. where uh, Brock went to high school, and he was the referee that game. No and way. Yeah, he was just standing there in the back of the end zone with his big old aviators. Looked like, <laughs> looked like something. But uh, <laughs> I uh, bounce a ball into the tight end who like dives and pretends, pretends to catch it, and Brock called it a touchdown. Wow. Yeah, so I was still kind of like running off of that. Yeah. Thinking, yeah, Brock's an NFL quarterback. But, wow. Yeah. But no. I mean, that emotional connection right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand it. But Gary could have easily chosen that route. And do he the Broncos have. win the Super Bowl? In my mind, no way. No. Not even no. your official Not even your official Brock Osweiler wouldn't have carried him? No. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. They needed Peyton. 
they needed Peyton. So, no, I don't think they would have won the Super Bowl with John Fox. What Gary did was amazing. All right, next one, again, coming in from Kyle Warner. He says, do we move on from Garrett Bowles this season if he doesn't step up? He seems to be the only glaring weakness on our offensive line, and we will have every advantage with Munchak leading the offensive line. I think it will definitely be considered. I'm not sure what the market for tackles looks like. Right. But they just paid Juwan James. Uh, Ronald Leary will be expiring, so they'll probably have to replace him or bring him back, giving him more money. And then you have a question mark at center still with McGovern. I mean, he played well, and there's reason to think that he's going to be good, but you just haven't seen him be an opening day starter and what that looks like. Then hopefully you have Reisner locked down at guard. So there, there are some spots that might need to be changed. So it's there's a very real chance they need to replace their center and their right guard. Right. And replacing a third offensive lineman in the same offseason would be very difficult. How about this? What if you move Garrett, since he's still under his rookie contract next year, to right guard? And you yeah. try it. You try it and you say, well, we're fine with Sam Jones if, if, he, if Garrett Bowles can't take this. And then you probably turn to the draft in yep. order to get one. Because free agency showed us. If you're going to bring in a tackle who's worth anything, even an average guy, like Juwan James has been throughout his career, you're paying him top dollar. You pay your right and left tackle top dollar. I don't don't think you can. So you're going to the draft for that. (sighs) Maybe you're getting the second, third best tackle if you're sitting at 15, which doesn't excite me. No. Um, But, yeah, I I do think if it's a down year for Garrett Bowles and there's no trending up, then they would look to find a replacement for him at left tackle. Move on from him? I'm not so sure because you have him cheap again for yeah. his fourth year. You certainly wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option. I think you, you put him on the trade block. You see if anybody else wants to take the chance, and if not, then you hold on to him, put him at guard, see if it works out, and if not, then you're done. Exactly. I, I completely um, agree. But I think the biggest takeaway is that none of these options sound easy or exciting if if Garrett Bowles flops, then the Broncos are just in a bad position. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. There isn't a great answer from there. No, there's not. That's why you need to hit on your first-round picks. <laughs> turns out. Turns <laughs> out. That should be the new strategy. Make your draft picks good ones. Yep, yep. Uh, uh. At least your first-rounders. At least the first-rounders. Which seems like, well, at least he, John hit on the 2018 first-round pick Chubb. with Bradley yeah, Chubb. Yeah, one for three was that Paxton? Who was the year before? Uh, Shane Ray, Shane and Ray. Uh, and then before Bradley Roby, okay. Sylvester Williams. Nope. Yeah. So it's we're it's we're giving him a fifty-fifty there. Yeah. With I mean Bradley Chubb is going to be a star, and you'd give up a couple first-round picks for him. Right, and you hit on Von Miller, same situation. He's also the fifth overall pick, and second Von overall second, pick. Second overall pick. So, yeah, yeah. We'll see about Fant. Yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from Hampus says, in your opinion, what must Chris Harris Jr. do to warrant an extension that will cost as much as he possibly will? He will need a. Will he need a lot of interceptions? That's another tough one, because if he plays well, it doesn't look to me like John Elway will pay him. Yeah. And so if, if if the only thing you're cheering for is for Chris Harris to be a Bronco in 2020, you might need to see him get burned a couple times. Yeah. Understand that he isn't what he used to be and then take a bit of a discount to stay here. What's more likely? Chris Harris comes back to the Broncos after a great year 
or after a bad year? Bad year. Yeah. Bad year. In terms of being back with the Broncos, it's probably that, yeah. which is weird. So you're not going to cheer for that. But I guess if you're looking for bright spots, if he does have a down year, which I, I don't expect at all, no, that would be a bright spot because I I don't see it. The, the Broncos and Chris are going to be so far off on an extension or I guess technically a new contract at that point that if he has another good year this year, it's going to be too hard to make up that difference. Yep, and I don't know exactly what the numbers look like, uh, but if if Drew Locke comes in and plays very well and looks like the guy, the Broncos decide to move on from Flacco. I'm not sure how much they save moving on from Flacco, but if for some reason they come on to some money, then yeah, maybe there's a chance they give some of it to Chris and keep him around. But I, again, that's another bad scenario if Drew Locke is on the field. Right, and I like the idea of maybe a two-year deal for Chris, fifteen yeah. million a year, huge. But Before I like you it. have to pay Drew Locke. Right, I like that because it's team friendly. Chris isn't gonna like that. Yeah. Even though it is fifteen million yep. per year, he's going to want four years, sixty million, or three years, forty-five million. And I don't know how comfortable I am with that. No. And I don't know how comfortable John Elway would be with that too, especially when you're talking about forty million dollars guaranteed, like Chris was talking about. Yep. Final one of the week coming in from Jarek. He says. What is the weakest position group on this squad, on the team this year? Do you think the Broncos will pick up or trade to make it better, or how do they overcome the shortfalls? How would you personally handle it? So to me, it depends on how you classify the different groups. If you're saying linebackers, then that's probably the best group on the team. Okay. If you're saying inside linebackers, ah. then I think it's probably the worst. Let's break it up. Uh, so if you break it up, Todd Davis, Josie Jewell, that's – you're you're hoping Todd da Todd Davis has been a very good number two linebacker yep. inside linebacker. Josie Jewell did not see the field much last year, and when he did, he didn't look great. At least from what I've watched, the tape I've watched. But if he if he takes a step, then all of a sudden that's a good group. Um, the other one that I look at is the receivers, mm. and obviously Emmanuel Sanders is very talented. He's a great receiver, right? Um, but he it's not like he's one of the best number one receivers in the league. Right. He's a twentieth receiver, maybe? Yeah. Around there. It just depends on the health yeah, and what, exactly. what it looks like. But then you're just expecting or hoping that a bunch of younger guys get better. Right. And again, that's a good position to be in. If if the least talented groups are groups where you could see expect improvement this right. season. Right. Exactly. And that's why with inside linebacker you expect improvement from Josie Jewell, but do you expect improvement in the Vic Fangio way in terms of, you know, now the speedy guy, you got your Oquan Smith? No, that's no. not realistic. Offensive line is just something I, I can't ignore. Yep. But the Broncos did everything, nearly everything they possibly could, except for keeping Matt Paradis around. John did everything. He devoted a second-round pick to the offensive line. He devoted uh, – the the most money ever for a right tackle until John Gruden changed that uh, to 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 fix the right tackle he kept Ron Leary around he could have saved a couple million dollars moving on from him although the injury guarantee was pretty big and he brought in Mike Munchak and the Broncos paid Mike Munchak a ton of money so they really did as much as they could on the offensive line they did it would be interesting to see what would have happened if they had kept Paradis. Yeah. Because that pushes McGovern out of the starting center spot. Yep. 
and then maybe he moves to a left guard and Reisner goes to tackle instead of Bowles. Right. Maybe McGovern is just a backup. You have the flexibility. Maybe maybe the Broncos justify bringing Paradis back by moving on from Leary and putting McGovern in his spot. Right. Yeah, that that's interesting. But to answer your question on if they're going to do anything to help any of these, no. They will not. The, the time has passed. Uh, guys show up for training camp three weeks from today. Wow. Training camp starts three weeks from tomorrow. Uh, the best you can see is what they've done in the past, either signing in Evan, Evan Mathis, who isn't available, uh, trading a seventh-round pick for a guy, but that's that's just it's, – it's not going to happen. It's too late. Rare you missed your Darren Lee opportunity to yep. upgrade the inside linebacker spot. The Chiefs got him. So – this is your team. This is your 2019 Broncos for the yep. most part. And uh, like we said, there's the ceiling is very exciting. The The floor is scary uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and puts them back in, in a similar position they've been to. But the ceiling is exciting. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. And, and like I said, three weeks, Henry. That's all it is. It's crazy. That Hall of Fame game it yep. just starts everything so early. So a full early. month of training camp. Yep. We'll see how the guys like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Derek Wolf, the guy that likes football more than anyone <laughs> in the world, he said he hates training camp. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, it's okay if I like don't like training <laughs> camp too. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a lot. Hopefully they come out of it safe or healthy. Right. That's just the one thing you worry about with a long training camp. Mm-hmm. And Vic's making it a long training camp. So anyone that was mad about the Broncos not practicing enough uh, <laughs> and, and canceling mandatory minicamp the last day, don't worry. He really makes up for it in training camp. Good. And with that, let's not speak of work anymore. Let's take off for the weekend. Uh, it was awesome rolling with Hankry. Is that uh, maybe a compromise? Nope, that's definitely not. That it. doesn't have that's edge. A hard no. That doesn't have edge to it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really understand edge. We have we have I, to work. I, I on don't that. We have I'm, to work on that. I'm about as least edgy Just as they round. come in terms. Never wore black jeans. <laughs> rips in my clothes. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. That's that's a rip in my clothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. So maybe this weekend we'll figure it out. Maybe. 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 Safe travels my friend enjoy family um and uh, i believe ryan will be back next week but if not hey i sure hope he isn't i'm (laughs) i'll be happy rolling with you again i had a blast this week henry and i hope you guys did too thanks for all your questions thanks for tuning in have a safe and very fun
guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Sleeping in 